The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. So we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, coming coming to you on a, uh, a bittersweet morning. The Milwaukee Brewers are back in the series win column. Um, but I'm going to do something you'll hate really quick. Um, because, you know, I like to keep these introductions unpredictable. Uh, the reason we're here is because... You and Jordan Tresky and Rowan Cotty and Ty Windish have joined forces and started a podcast network together, the Eurostep Podcast Network. You do the one in six podcast. They do the Eurostep Podcast. You combine and do podcasts together about the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Milwaukee Bucks have lost in the second round of the playoffs. But I want to take it as an opportunity to say thank you for welcoming me into the fold to talk Brewers. And you guys do a great job uh, with what you do. So your NBA journey has come to the end for for 2022 so i just want to say congrats on another season of you know great work from from the four of you guys and 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 thank you for letting me be a part of it and moving forward now it's you know basketball will be back in in october and for the time being the next five months we'll we'll have brewers baseball to, to tide you guys over and you know hopefully we get a little more collab going since uh there's no 
no bucks to talk, but uh, just congrats on a, another season. Well done. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for joining us, first of all. But yeah, it's a somber note, like a tough weekend for Milwaukee in a real life sense with the shooting the other day. Then obviously in a trivial sporting sense with the Bucks losing game seven to the Boston Celtics. But yeah, the fun thing about all of this, the fun thing about all things GSPN and the following we've built up, the people who check in with everything, is that sense of community, is that sense of, you know, everyone being in it together. And over the last year, we've certainly lived through the highs and the lows with the Milwaukee Bucks. Wasn't the B this year, but that is that is the NBA. That is the nature of it. That is sports in general. It's not just limited to the NBA, as we well know here in talking baseball so yeah i appreciate that all sorts of books content throughout the off season will continue over on the eurostep podcast network so if somehow you're only subscribed here go subscribe there as well and you'll get all your your books talk but this is the place for all things brewers i'm only assuming the listeners are going to come flooding in i'm going to guess there'll be a you know a few days the cooling off period where everyone just needs to decompress and get over the disappointment. But it seems like it's just a matter of time before everyone comes listen to us and listen to, to Brewers talk, Andrew. Yeah, I, I welcome that. And I, I do want to level down on, like you said, just a really, really sad couple of days for America in general in terms of our, our issues with uh, gun violence and just idiots that uh, do bad things. So condolences to everyone there because that sucks um it's terrible and you know we soothe ourselves by talking about baseball i guess because that's that's what we're here to do but yeah people coming over from you know the bucks the bucks series if you, if you want to take some time just to you know not watch sports because you know some sometimes when, when my team loses i just have to you know cut out sports for a while but then uh you know come into the fold and talk about brewers with us uh we have a very active uh discord channel to talk about the brewers so you know it'll it'll be a good time and it's especially a good time right now because the brewers are back in the series win column we had done two consecutive podcasts where i had to just kind of uh wallow in sadness because the the Brewers had lost two out of three to the Atlanta Braves they had lost two out of three to the lowly Cincinnati Reds who by the way yesterday threw a no hitter and lost the baseball game that tells that tells you everything you need to know about that franchise this year and it was the most like hunter green thing in the world as well because you know he was like that 100 mile an hour fastball just befuddling guys but also he didn't know where it was going so so, uh he piled up the walks like that's wild to me but you know baseball's weird Um, no hitter did it really happen if it happened between you know the reds and the pirates therefore nobody was watching it yeah it might they might have put it in like the triple a uh minor league baseball record books they, they might not have counted it as a major league uh, game um but while all, all that was going on uh the milwaukee brewers w- went down to miami um looking for a series win uh rock was looking for cuban sandwiches and he found them as the broadcast uh, told us on Sunday. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, the Brewers came in, you know, scuffling a little bit to Miami, and we're looking for a serious win, and they went in and they got it. And I can think no 
better there's no better way to go into a series needing win than having Corbin Burns start on a Friday night. And he went out there and and gave them what they needed. Uh, Friday was undoubtedly the Corbin Burns game. Some some news and notes going into it. We want to say congrats to to Brent Suter and his uh, and his wife. They welcomed their second baby into the world. And baby so he was uh, baby Raptor. Yes, uh, I just rewatched Jurassic Park. So that's perfect. Um, uh, so no Brent Suter this weekend, but you know it's for a good reason. Family's most important thing. Uh, but game one was kind of uh, like what we expect from the Brewers: low scoring and the pitching really saved the day uh colton wong did uh something not as cool as something that you're a fan of but he had a mm-hmm. i think a second pitch leadoff homer, homer to get started off uh things on the right foot the, the first pitch walk off or leadoff homer is is the adam mcgee specialty we're now calling it um and then Old friend Jesus Aguilar homered in the third to make it 1-1. And then it was just kind of a battle of will between Corbin Burns and Pablo Lopez. Uh, both guys absolutely performing at the highest level. Pablo Lopez's changeup is one of the filthiest pitches in baseball right now. And they really matched each other beat for beat uh, through seven innings, just kind of like a, a dueling banjos version of a baseball game. And this, I know this was your first time uh, getting a look at Pablo Lopez, and he's kind of a guy that's under the radar, especially because Miami's got Trevor Rogers and Sandy Alcantara, who may get more headlines, but he was absolutely exceptional. And honestly, as we were getting into the sixth and seventh inning, I was like, are the Brewers going to win this baseball game? Because like, they just can't touch anything Pablo Lopez is throwing across. Yeah, to, to me, um trying to think if I'm forgetting something, if there's recency bias, it feels like the best opposing pitching performance we've seen so far this season. Uh, he is incredible. He is, his stuff is nasty. That changeup is not like what you see from night to night. So immensely, immensely impressed with him. Um, I know the Marlins generally have a pretty strong pitching staff um, and Alcantara, right, is their, their ace and we didn't even get to see him. But um, no, Lopez was incredibly impressive. And I'm sure it brings a little bit extra motivation. You're going up against um, the NL site young winner. Corbin Burns is the kind of pitching matchup that if you're a guy like Lopez, you really want to go out there, show your best and make a point. And he did that. I mean, it's a tough break for him that the Marlins ultimately didn't get him the reward he probably deserved out of that. But ultimately the difference and it's something it goes back to you know that first uh that social video that blue wire put out that uh people were making fun of us for at the beginning but it holds up and for the brewers when corbin burns goes out after seven excellent innings devin williams and josh Hader come in and just lock the thing down that's the difference in the game yep seven innings pitch five hits one run it was earned no walks seven strikeouts for burns lopez seven innings pitch three hits one run it was earned no walks 11 strikeouts just two like exceptional performances um lopez's era on the season is 1.05 like he's having a great year burns lowered his to 177 and like you said after burns goes seven innings devin williams comes in and and has a great bounce back performance because he did uh he, he struggled his last time out, and it was nice to see him get back on track. Um, the Brewers had a, a little ninth-inning rally to to really just take control and win this game. A Yelly leadoff single. 
uh, Urias hit by pitch. And then something I wrote in my notes as bad process, good result. Uh, Craig Council overthought things and pinch hit Tyron Taylor for Rowdy Telez. Um, don't love seeing your, I think, uh, is he still leading the team in RBI? I don't know if he's not. He's he's up there and he's close. Um, he is still I, leading the team in RBI. He's, yeah. he's five clear of Willie Adamas, who's second. Yeah, so don't love that. Uh, Tyron Taylor does his job, though, and hits kind of a – a weird single off the right field wall that would load the bases that Yelich probably score, should have scored on. And then Jace, after a Hunter Renfro strikeout, draws a bases loaded walk to score the run and make it 2-1 Brewers. Josh Hader comes on and locks in his 13th save of the season, still has not allowed a run, and the Brewers win the game 2-1. So didn't love the process there. It worked out um, to a degree. Um, obviously, if Rowdy's hitting, he could potentially hit an extra base hit and score multiple runs instead of uh, eking out the one run on the Jace Peterson bases loaders walk with Rouge got the job done and back in the win column after a tough series against the Reds. Yeah. Look, Craig council overthinking things. It's not something that's new to us at this point. It's not something that is going to go away at any time. That decision was interesting because of, you know, even what came next, like it, it worked out in the end with Jace delivering, but in theory, I think, you know, that might have been the spot where if you were to apply things more logically, you bring in Tyrone Taylor. But at this point, Tyrone Taylor was entering this game on a five-game hit streak. Um, he extended to six here. He extended to seven in the next game before failing to uh, keep that, that run going in the third game. But, yeah. Look, it worked out. That's that's really all that matters. But uh, I would like to not see decisions made like that in similar situations going forward because I don't know if that's going to work out every time. And I know you and I did have a little bit of a laugh because after the game, Craig Council was interviewed and he, how how convenient, you know, the most so the most important up out of the game was you know Tyrone Taylor and he came up big as if to say you know that. That decision I made, that late substitution, what a what a stroke of genius that was. And yeah, it worked out and that's good. But what about Yelly getting on base? Or what about Jace being disciplined enough to draw the walk to actually get the run in? So um that was interesting, but it worked out. And based on how this road trip has gone, we'll take anything and everything that just works out in the end. It's Craig Ta- Council time. Craig Council is, is what he said uh, during that post-game interview. Yeah, I, I don't love it, but it's what it is. Move on. It's in the past I, is what I'm going to do because uh, is there there will be other head-scratching decisions about uh, lineup choices or pinch hitters or bullpen decisions. Uh, I said to you yesterday, I think, for like four through seven in the lineup, Craig Council just like has a list of guys and just – places their name on a dartboard and just throws it <laughs> and sees Here's what happens. A, for, for anyone who is a long-time winning six listener, it's a throwback to that. It's the wheel. It's when Jason Kidd was coaching, and it'd be like, it's the wheel to make rotation decisions. That's, that's how the batting orders uh, seems to be determined at the moment for the Brewers. Has a worse head coach ever ha- coached two better players than Jason Kidd with Giannis and Luca? A conversation for another day. Moving on to game two, this is a game – that I had to see on a delay and you got to watch live, unfortunately, um, because it, it didn't go well. Uh, the Brewers took a 9-3 loss, and it was uh, the first uh, 
the first bad mark on Eric Lauer's uh, report card for the season. Um, Bruce got things started off on the right foot. Willie Adamas hit a, a homer in the first inning, which is nice to see him uh, put something on the board. He has been scuffling of late and, you know, uh, one for four with that homer and two strikeouts. So still work to be done there, but it's nice to see him get back in a positive way. And then uh, a disaster fourth inning uh, <laughs> happened for the Brewers and for Eric Lauer. Um, back-to-back homers from Jesus Aguilar and Jorge Soler. And then a Brian uh, Anderson homer would make it 4-1 in the fourth inning. And then I guess, Adam, uh, from there, there was a, a comedy of errors from both the Brewers and also the umpires. I know you were more locked into this game than I was. So, uh, what can you make of the bottom of the, the sixth inning and kind of how that progressed, especially with like the umps just being absolutely incompetent? Yeah, I actually, you know, other things going on yesterday, focus on the Bucks game seven. I never checked what the the umpire scorecard looked like for that, but just some not very impressive calls made, honestly, throughout this series. Um, was it game one where it was like a 79% accuracy on, in terms of balls called? So just not stellar. This is something I'm just continually coming to terms with. But in multiple instances in this game, it was a case of either the Brewers put themselves in trouble and they pay for it because of errors. And it's been an issue that we didn't see early in the season, but over the last 10 days or so, it's just constant errors. They need to get a handle on that. Um, And then the other side of it is, yeah, you get yourself in some tight spots and maybe you can get out, but if the umpires aren't going to help you, well, then you, you're you set up to potentially have issues, and that is kind of what happened here. Um, Trevor got at like a, a four, five-minute wait while the umpires tried to figure out what the pitch count was at, and that is not helpful. Like, it's just not helpful at all. Yeah, I was in a situation where I was coming back from a hockey game seven and I was in my car going in and out of service watching on my phone. And then once the inning's over, I saw Trevor got stat line. I was like, wow, didn't record an out, two earned runs. Uh, I, yeah, I wish I wish he hadn't done that. You know, he's had such a great season. And then coming back and seeing just like all the events that led to that scoreline being what it was. First of all, it's like, what are we doing here? How do you forget the count? You lit, Mr. Umpire, you literally have one job at, at, at this point. It's, it's also, strikes, buddy. Okay, they lose the count. That's fine. That is a that is a thirty second review. That is a thirty second. You know, you you talk to the video center. What's the count? They say the count should be, and you go the count is, and you're back at it. Like, you know, I've heard of icing the kicker, but this is a real case of icing the pitcher, and uh, I think that's not ideal. I mean, it seems like something that would happen to Angel Hernandez and only Angel Hernandez. But nevertheless, uh, he, that wasn't him. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know who this crew was. It's it's not up on my ESPN. Doesn't matter. Um, you shouldn't yell at umpires at little league games, but Major League Baseball umpires, you should absolutely yell at them. They're well paid. It's fine. Um, but yeah, that 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 six inning kind of put things out of reach at that after, after that point it was the crew i can give you one. the crew the crew was uh, bill welke chris siegel dan Mertzel, and andy fletcher 
What a what a squad. What what a a league of uh, extraordinary gentlemen right there just absolutely crushing it. Um but yeah, so uh four runs in that inning. Uh I think one on a fielder's choice, a double by Miguel Rojas and then uh, another fielder's choice to make it 8-1. Game's kind of done and dusted at that point. Uh, Hunter Renfro would add a absolutely crushed home run to left center scoring him and Luis Urias. That was that uh was that Homer kind of near the the yacht in in left field that you had noticed when taking a look at Renfro's? Them? Yes. Oh, Renfro's was like landed on the bar. Like I I don't think they get too many balls up there. Um it, it was a mega hit. So people with uh mixed drinks uh could have in could have theory or in theory a Hunter Renfro home run ball could have landed in a cocktail. I wish that had happened. Alas, it was not to be. Um, so that would make it 8-3. Uh, Jesus Aguilar, again, who seems to just, like, want to be a pest and torment his old team this series, would score another run to make it 9-3. And, and that would kind of be that for, for the Brewers. Trevor Rogers, five and a third inning pitch, five hits, one run. It was earned eight strikeouts. So nice performance um, from, I think, last season's rookie of the year runner-up. He's in the top three. He, he had a great year last year. Lauer, five innings pitch, six hits, four runs. All of them earned seven strikeouts. So I have, the, I have the umpire scorecard here, by the way. Um, so overall accuracy, 93%. Consistency, 94%. So right around averages, 97% called ball accuracy, 86% called strike accuracy. But the overall favor is plus 1.8 runs for Miami. Top two, most impactful calls. Top of the second, Rogers came one outrunner on first three two count balls called strike. Top of the third, Rogers to Adamez, one outrunner on first three two count balls called strike. So that they're definitely not ideal, particularly early in the game, because you could change the whole tone and vibe of this game. That's before the disastrous fourth inning. Maybe it all plays out differently if you've all of a sudden got two guys on um, with only one out in the second and the third. God bless the people that run this account because it's basically like expected goals for like almost being mm-hmm. shit at their job. And that's hilarious to me. Um, this isn't a situation where we're saying it won the game for the Marlins because we're not like Celtics fans. Um, so we're not going to just, you know, whine about that. But maybe we should, it, though. And in four games, we'll get the makeup call. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, good Lord. Last night. Anyway, Um yeah, 9-3 loss for the Brewers. Uh, much like me on the streets of Atlanta talking about reminiscing when Giannis got hurt. After this game, I was a little discouraged um, because, you know, you have a a nice game one win that, albeit, was a little concerning with the offense, but Corbin Burns and, and the bullpen makes you feel better about things. But seeing the offense sputter a little bit, the errors, uh, the first bad start for Eric Lauer, I was I was getting to the point where I was thinking, Adam, am I going to come in here Monday and have to think of another elaborate, uh, depressing thing to open the podcast with? But Sunday, uh, despite despite the basketball off, the vibes were good in Miami, and the boys got us back on track. Um, so I appreciate them for that. Um, uh, will there? But it did come at a cost. There are no free lunches, Adam. Um, the Brewers would get this the scoring started off. Um, I think early uh, a sacrifice fly would score Willie Adamas, but Willie did go down with a sprained left ankle. After that point, that originally it was reported as a sprained right ankle, but apparently it's a left ankle. Uh, Luis Urias 
sacrifice fly to center. Um, Adamas, it's almost it's almost like on the slide rolling up after touching the plate. He kind of caught his ankle got caught um underneath. Honestly, him. that's that's some good news. Like uh, originally, when he comes up hobbling and you're watching the slide, you're like, I hope it's not his knee. I hope yeah. it's not his knee going like sprinting absolute full pelt and then you can see there was hard contact on his knee. So rolling an ankle is not the worst thing that could come out of that. They have him uh, listed as, I guess, day-to-day, which, like you said, is a positive development. I mean, you know, I, I had my jump the conclusions, Matt, out and was saying to you, like, I wonder if this means Bryce Terang is getting the call-up. Knowing the Brewers, it would probably be Uriaset, Short, uh, Jason, Brasso, uh, Platoon at third, and then they would call up Keston here just to sit on the bench. No, I think you actually nailed it. I think that's yeah. probably what would happen. <laughs> I, I was, you know, we've been talking about uh, minor league games uh, privately and also on the last podcast. So just like I, I've just got my eyes locked in on all these pro- uh, prospects. So I was trying to speak something into existence. But fortunately, it looks like Adamus, uh, you know, might not have any IL time. We haven't heard anything. Probably wouldn't know by now if that was going to be the case. Um, so, yeah, one nothing Brewers at that point. And then uh, the next inning was just kind of uh, – Bad luck for Big Woo is is what I'm going to call it. Um, as and just you know not executing two strike pitches, it comes to a situation where the uh, the Marlins are rallying, and he's one pitch away from getting out of it. I think there was also some errors involved to get the runners on base or play. Uh, there was one error from Brasso. And then I think there was one that he probably should have made the play on at third base. He did the same thing that Arias did the other day and tried to play it off to the side rather than shuffling his feet to get in front of it. So you end up with a situation where the runners on second and third with no outs. Eventually that would get to the point after uh, Woodruff recorded outs on a fly ball to Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro showcased his cannon to uh, hold Ivagasel Garcia at third base. Then Jace Peterson on a foul pop-up Jace Peterson playing first base, by the way, the most versatile man in baseball. Um, almost lost it in the the ceiling of the lights, but made a good play to, to catch it. As we know um, from Victor Caratini's uh, issue the other night, the on-deck circles are slippery at, at Marlins Park. So when you're get or Lone Depot Park, whatever the hell it's called now, uh, when you get over to, near the, uh, the dugouts, you put uh, your life at risk because for some reason they have a slippy, slippery substance as the on-deck circle uh, around men wearing metal cleats. And then a two-out walk to Hernandez, and then a Peyton Henry, former Brewers prospect, who's uh, the Marlins catcher, hits a flared single to right, scores two runs, makes it 2-1 Brewers. So a lot of bad luck and unfortunate defense in front of Big Woo. And he gets out of the inning with a two-one lead. Um, Adam, are there any lingering concerns about if Adamus, you know, misses any kind of time, what this does to the defense? Because it just kind of puts everyone out of position. And uh, Brasso, in particular, just did not look comfortable as soon as he was inserted into the game as a defensive replacement. Um, and, you know, honestly, I don't know if we've seen enough of a sample of him to know like what his defense is on a consistent basis. But after Saturday night, it was a little concerning to to see that inning kind of almost unravel because of defense again. I think there's an element of it that's just unfortunate that this is a game where you have Rowdy as DH because otherwise you've got Jace over a third. And right now my confidence in Jace is growing pretty rapidly. He's playing really well both sides of the ball. 
So if that's not the scenario in a normal game where you've got Rowdy at first, uh, I think that's the spot where you'll see Jace and I'd feel better about it. I mean, that still doesn't overall. There are a lot of errors um, recently. Since Arias came back too, I, I don't know. It's just particularly that kind of I don't know, second, third, shortstop, that kind of area of the field, that triumvirate. A lot of stuff getting through that shouldn't get through. We've seen Arias and Nadamas make um, spectacular catches recently, but there's some much more simple stuff that they're letting get through, which really wasn't the case early in the season. The Brewers were being really, really tidy defensively. So I'm a, a little bit worried overall about that. I think it might have been a tough break for Brasso too. Like he was literally just in the game and immediately gets that's, one fired at him. Like that's, that's the old that's, baseball adage is that is if the ball finds you, I think it was a rock yeah, set. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if, if there is a need over the next week or so, if Willie's out and he gets some starts a third, uh, maybe it's not going to be quite as jarring as that one particular moment was, but I just, I think there needs to be a little bit more focus um, in terms of let's really tighten up and let's not give runs away because it's no coincidence that the team has gone through a slightly rockier stretch here when they start to let errors come into play because they cannot afford to give up extra runs. Their offense is not built for that. The whole construction of the team is based around we're going to strangle the life out of our opponents with our pitching. And if all of a sudden your pitching can't do that because of errors, I wouldn't know it on this. They were talking about on the broadcast um, how Woody disregards ERA in favor of um, what's the stuff that takes fielding out of the equation? Well, that was interesting, particularly at the moment. And then for it to ultimately be a game where he allows one earned run and the other two go unearned due to an error. Like It's maybe backing it up there. But you know what? It'd be great if you could just trust an ERA because the fielding is doing its job most of the time too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, without getting too detailed into it, uh, FIP is yeah fielding independent pitching, so it looks at, I think, homers, strikeouts, walks. So, like, in theory, the things the pitcher has control over. Now, with the baseballs, we know that, <laughs> that they, they may not have control over homers because they might have a ball that's a, either a cotton ball being used or a one with a trampoline core, and it's flip a coin to know which one's being used. But from that point, uh, 
we've talked about old friends uh, being tormentors. Uh, Jorge Soler, who's an old friend of mine from my time in a different fandom, hit a solo homer in the third to make it three to one Marlins. And then the fifth inning is when the Brewers got back on track, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. Back-to-back homers from Jace Peterson and Colton Wong tied the game up. A Rowdy Tellez single to score. Mike Barrasso made it 4-3 Brewers. And then an Omar Narvaez single made it 5-3 Brewers after the fifth inning. So that four-run fifth makes it 5-3 Brewers, and they really get back on the right track. Brandon Woodruff would leave the game from that point. Five innings pitched, five hits, three runs. One of them was earned. Uh, because of the airs, two walks, six strikeouts. Not the best performance from from Woody, but he, you know, kept them in the game. It's one of those situations where if you don't have your best stuff and you're getting a little bad luck, can you at least buckle down to not let the game out of hand get out of hand? And he did that. Seventh inning, Rowdy Tellez Homer would make it six three. Eighth inning, Luis Urias single would score Colton Wong to make it seven three. Uh, it was that was an interesting um, sequence as Urias got caught on the bases after the, the run scored and kind of a uh, tricky bit of base running. I think he was uh, looking to take second there. Uh, one of the standout moments of this game is after securing the 5-3 lead, um, the Brewers turned to Aaron Ashby out of the bullpen, and Aaron Ashby closed down this baseball game. Four innings pitch, no hits, no runs, eight strikeouts. Exceptional performance out of the bullpen from Ashby. Didn't give the Marlins a chance. Um, was just absolutely dialed in after the tough start last weekend against the Atlanta Braves, and the Brewers secure a 7-3 win, Woodruff and Ashby doing it themselves, and that's a two out of three series win for the Milwaukee Brewers, moving their record to 22-13, and and a lot of things to like about Sunday after going down early, uh, facing a little adversity, you get performances from guys that um, you don't typically associate with being run producers, but they are lately. Dace Peterson and Colton Wong. Um, Rowdy Tellez, <laughs> look, look what he can do when you let him uh, keep his plate appearance. And you know, overall, just a solid, comprehensive win from the Brewers in a game that looked like it could have gone awry early. I, I think the last thing that I remember being fully locked in on in this game, I did see that uh, after... Colton's run came in. I, I saw Arias scrambling back to first and not making it back in time. So I caught that out of the corner of my eye, but it was very much second screen for, I think, after Rowdy's home run for me. Focus was all in the books. So you mentioned Aaron Ashby had eight strikeouts. I believe it should have been nine. Am I right in saying that? It seems like I, I missed something of a kerfuffle. So if you want to fill me in and maybe any other listeners who didn't catch all of this game on what exactly went down there that's a great point um because i think i uh, i was not scrolled down far enough in my notes to see my rant about this um you were very angry about it too i mean i had other bigger fish to fry but i was getting quite a lot of messages about it at the time yeah uh so a drop third strike strike three from omar narvaez goes to the ball uh and, like by the backstop pulls it from under the wall, throws the runner out, should be inning over. Uh, and then the umpires declare that it got lodged under the wall. So we award the um, player first base, which if that's a ground rule at Mar- Marlins Park, that's the most insane thing I've ever heard because Omar Narvaez didn't raise his hands and say like, oh, I can't I can't get this ball. It's like a situation in the 
in Wrigley with the Ivy, where if the ball gets lost, the fielder raises his hands and the base runners can no longer advance. It's a rule meant to protect the fielder against oddities in a stadium that makes it impossible to get the ball. How in the hell is this supposed to benefit the batter, especially when the fielder has no issue getting the ball out? It's sitting under between the padding and the ground. It's not like the ball went in the dugout or went in the stands. It's on the field of play. Most insane thing I've ever heard. This umpire crew who you mentioned earlier, they're, they're just terrible. And if that's letter of the law, then screw the law because it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I as I, I have not seen that yet. It sounds like it's something that I should go and watch because it seems interesting. seems like one of the baseball oddities that we hope to uh, have me witness and try to figure out. But I, I did see Craig Council's post-game press conference, and he was kind of like, look, it is a rule, the rule is a rule, but the rule was implemented wrong was kind of what I took from, from how he uh, broke it down. So, yeah, it sounds like that was a pretty weird sequence of events yeah they treated it like the ball was in someone's beer not like it was on the field of play and omar narvaez had to play at it very strange um yeah but yeah in the moment i was i was quite heated about it despite it being a situation um that you know the brewers were fine in the game aaron ashby i had, I had that wrong anyway out. though so he shouldn't have had nine nine k's it wasn't a it wasn't a strikeout scenario it was much weirder than that um he did shove it up the umpire's ass the very next batter and, and got it recorded a strikeout to get out of the inning. Aaron Ashby was as locked in as we've seen him this season, and it was a beautiful sight to behold. Um, as as you know, Adam, I, I love the lefties, and when they come in and, and shut things down, it's great. Give uh, Devin and, and Hayter a day off, which is nice, but yeah, probably, probably didn't need one since they were not required on Saturday. But nevertheless, like we said, Season's long uh, and full of terrors. So if you can uh, save some bullpen arms every now and then and just let Ashby ride the ship on his season, you know, I, I'm in favor of that. I just hope they take the right message from that rather than, you know, oh, Ashby's got it again. You know what? We need to we need to try and work out that uh, six starter rotation. We need to get him back in there soon. That was just it was an anomaly. I. I think you need quality middle relief options. Like this is something they haven't had this season. I can't think of too many players that we've seen. I, I mean, there are factors in this. Brent Suter has struggled a little bit. Obviously, he's been away for the team this series. He's been away earlier when he had that kind of scary collision with the the rail in front of the dugout. Um, Jake Cousins' injury, but the Brewers have been relying on guys coming in for single innings and that has got dicey at times when the guy who has to come in has been, say, Janda Gustave or uh, Urania before that. It's like you're just you're playing with fire in a way that if you have someone you can trust to come in and give you two, three, four innings after a starter, particularly on a, in a game like this where Woody did really well, like he fought really hard to not let this game get away when he didn't have it. But his pitch count is is high. He's coming out of the game earlier than you'd like, and you need just that little bit more to have Ashby do that. That just seems like such a great weapon. I would like them to bring Eaton Small up and hopefully see him do similar. And if you had two guys like that, then the best pitching staff in baseball gets even better, and it's how do you possibly deal with them. 
And you'd be likely, you know, in a position where you don't have to go to Devon and Hayter as often. You keep them fresher box too for later in the season. But you're also just giving yourself options depending on the situation. It's like, do we want to go straight to Trevor Gott and then into Boxberger and into Devon and Hayter? Or is it a scenario where we could have multiple innings out of Ashby? Like, I, I think there are good options there. And it is something that early on in the season, I, I feel like, worth exploring more closely for the Brewers. Uh, absolutely. And it's a conversation we had in the Discord yesterday. And it's a situation where this is going to be kind of what playoff baseball looks like for you. You're going to have to have these situations where starters as relievers come in and give you multiple innings. And so uh, yesterday, without a corresponding move being announced, uh, Craig Council told Kurt Hogg of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that Yano Gustave is going on the DL or the IL. Sorry, it used to be called the DL. Now it's called the IL. Um, and I, I just feels like a great time for me to to get Ethan Small up here and it, even if it's just ten days, have him get a, a couple of outings out of the pen and just see what you've got there and start thinking about what that's going to look like when that's his role at the end of the year. Because I think we all know that's probably going to be happen be happening. Uh, it's a right hamstring in, injury for Gustave, so. We'll see what happens there. Um, but, yeah, the options and just being able to have that versatility out of the pen and not it, not have it be a situation where it's like, oh, we've only got these one-inning guys. Um, but anyway, yeah, shall we move Kurt, on? Kurt, uh, Kurt Hogg of the General Sentinel, just before we move on, that had a really good piece on Ethan Small and where the Brewers thinking is out on that a couple of days ago now. Um, and he has just basically passed the mark that, Random Woodruff and Corbin Burns and Adrian Hauser and Aaron Ashby had in terms of starts at AAA. And based on how the Brewers have operated in the past, it would seem like, yeah, he has hit the mark. He's performing at the level that they want to see. And this is the point where they bring him up. There are quotes of Craig Council in there, which really do suggest like it is something that should happen sooner rather than later. And just let's do it. Like, uh, I, I don't mind Gustave. Gustave has had some bad games. He's had some good games. I think over the course of the season, him as a, you know, basically as an arm for blowouts, that's fine. You know, that works. But even at the moment, like guys like Perdomo and Mejia have come up and haven't looked all that great. You just want those guys that they're only there for situations when you're you're sparing the arms of your your actual kind of top tier pitchers. And I think having another quality reliever there would help to do that. And it would honestly set the Brewers up to win even more games that they're pitching than they're currently doing. So it also seems like just, you know, solid process for building towards the playoffs where you're going to have more scenarios like that. It's like, let's not wait until August, September and then be like, Hey, and small, you know, we're, we think we can use you in the playoffs. Let's get you up and get you some reps. Now give them, Give them time to kind of take the knocks that will be inevitable too and to settle in. So it's not a big deal come that point. So, yeah, I hope they take the right lessons from what seemed like a really, really solid four-inning stretch from Ashby. Yep, I agree completely. Adam, shall we move on to the the Master Brewer leaderboard for this game and see who got, got some brew points? Let's do it. Um, We didn't talk about this, but when I was crunching the numbers here separately, I think there's a case for someone that we weren't discussing previously. 
Okay. Do you want to lead off with that person? I will lead off with that. So as I was, we, we agreed to give uh, Jace Peterson a brew point, obviously had that uh, bases loaded walk. He provided some versatility. And in looking at his numbers, they were remarkably similar to someone else uh, on the team. Uh, and that person also provided kind of a, a game changing and give, giving the team the lead that they would not relinquish moment. And that's Rowdy Tellez. So Jace Peterson finished two for nine, one homer, two RBI, a run and a walk. Rowdy Tellez, three for 11, one homer, two RBI, one run uh, and a walk. And one of the RBI was to make it four, three on Sunday which is the lead that they would not relinquish relinquish the center, center or single, Jesus, uh, to the left field. So, you know, in comparing his uh, numbers with Jace, they're very similar. And in terms of impact, they're also very similar. So that, that was a thought I had. I disagree. Uh, as well. I disagree. I, I'd love nothing more than to give Rowdy more Master Brew points. He's already, he's a couple clear at the moment. Uh, I don't think so. He was not good in game one. He was not good in game two. And Jace didn't just have the bases over the walk, which brings home the winning run in game one, but he also homers in game three as well. I I just think he was better overall, um, more consistent. He also, I don't think he had... Uh, I mean, he didn't have a game where he didn't get on base. That's not true for Rowdy. I, I think Jace was considerably better. He was that. also... Uh robbed of an opportunity to get on base it wasn't his fault it was craig council's fault he would have driven a double sure. in the wall and we wouldn't have the conversation i that i just wanted to put it up for conversation because i love terms Rowdy, of numbers there i don't think so i don't are they that close in terms of numbers yes two for nine three for eleven one yeah, walk well, over two rbi but, one run yeah but that's that's heavily weighting game three on rowdy and I look, he's a, he's really important in game three, but I think Jace has the consistency. The, the, the he's on base throughout. RBI is in multiple games. Like I, I do think that matters. Yeah, if if he hadn't, I think if he hadn't had the bases loaded walk in game one, we wouldn't be having this conversation. For but sure, he did. But, but I think Rowdy's hit in game three is just as important. Um, but you know, I, I'll see. I'll see the argument uh, in this case because I heavy-handedly won an argument early, and then we backtracked on it. So I'll do that I, here. Rowdy, we'll Rowdy the... is not deserving. If Because if you go that, you're you're really deva- devaluing it, like, overall. I, I th- I'd i be making cases for other guys. Like, yeah, num- he was on, on base On numbers, lot, they probably but... both don't deserve to be there, if we're being honest. I don't know. But... That's not true. Two for He reached base three times in nine at-bats via he, a He reached base hits. in all three games, Jace did. Jace on base, reached in all three games like crucial moments across multiple games he's again like we talked about last last time out we're seeing him play more we're seeing his versatility factor into things i i think he deserves a lot of credit and i think he's playing very well rowdy was on a like a hitless streak for quite a few games like game game tree was very welcome but i i'm as rowdy's biggest fan can't pretend that things are good for rowdy across all of this series are going into game three. So I, I don't think it's really true for anyone else outside of pitchers that were rewarding them on a single game. I don't think Rowdy's moment was big enough. Ultimately, yeah, it's a crucial moment in the game, but it's a game that wins 7-3. So no, I would love nothing more. You know, he's my guy, but 
this is you know gotta have integrity in the leaderboard so i'm putting my foot down yeah that's i i will see i see the floor it's just i think you might be seeding it speak it speaks to a larger point about the offense that we're having debates about who impacted the series most and it's two guys with three hits and two hits across the series it's it's a little concerning that that's got on base in every game and at crucial times i think that's like listen i i i am happy i'm happy that uh that i haven't had to convert you on the the because this is a lot of things for baseball fans i haven't had to like make you see the light in terms of drawing walks as a skill because I wholeheartedly believe that and think that plate discipline is 100% a skill. I'm glad I haven't had to convert you on that like some baseball fans have. I don't know how anyone would need to be convert, converted on that. That's wild. Conversation for another uh, time. Yeah, we can say that for another time. It's. I think it's just, uh, you know, it's 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 Billy Bean. It was Moneyball. He was like, yeah, walks as good as a single. And, you know, in most situations, and people just railed against that. And I'm But it like, is yeah. as good as a single. Oh, I, I agree 100%. There's, there's no 100%. room to argue. It is literally you get the same value out of it. So there's no room to argue, Adam. Have you ever spent time on the internet? There's always room to argue, even there's... when you don't have the facts in, in your uh, case. But anyway, nevertheless, we've had the debate. We've settled on Jace Peterson and not Rowdy Tellez. Um, and, and that seems fair. And again, it is a big indictment on the offense that this is the conversation we're having. Um, another man who earned a spot on the leaderboard with his consistency and another great performance, Cor- Corbin Burns, seven innings pitch, five hits, one run. It was earned no walk, seven strikeouts, kind of just Corbin Burns doing what Corbin Burns does. And y- you love to see it, uh, back to our, our walk argument and, or not argument. Cause we were in agreement. So I don't know what I'm saying about that. Our walk, uh, discussion. Colton Wong lived on base, three for six, two home runs, three runs scored, two two RBI, and three walks. Uh, I think it was it game three where Wong reached base in every plate appearance. I think three walks, and three walks, two, two hits, yeah, two for two at the plate. Um, so heavily weighed in game three, but also he had the leadoff homer in game one. So um, really solid effort from Colton Wong, who after I speculated about Kevin Hero maybe taking away some of his at bats, he's been. <laughs> very good since then so if i can just keep speaking things into existence that's fine ethan small call up um and then aaron ash before next pitch got the save no hits no runs eight strikeouts on sunday bounced back from the absurd ground rule uh discussion that we had earlier and overall just uh, a great uh relief performance from aaron ashby so corbin burns colton wong aaron ashby Jace Peterson added to the Master Brewer leaderboard. Adam, if, if you've been crunching the numbers, I assume you have because you're much more prepared than me. What does that put us at for the season? Sorry, what was that? Oh, sorry. I was asking uh, if you had the the stats on where we stand with the leaderboard in general at the moment after the, the recent edition. Oh. If you don't, if you don't, I, I can do I it live. Absolutely I absolutely don't. I, I didn't know I needed to tally that up, but I mean, it's it's not too complicated. So um, without any further Master Brew points awarded for Rowdy Tellers this week, he is still in first place with six. Second place, we've got Christian Yelich, Josh Hader, Willie Adamas, and Corbin Burns now joins that group on four. Um, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, Eric Lauer, now joined by Colton Wong and Jace Peterson at two. And all with a single Master Brew point, Andrew McCutcheon, who we're excited to welcome back, Devin Williams, Adrian Hauser, Hunter Renfro, Luis Arias and Trevor God. Congratulations to everyone that has earned a master brew point. This is a prestigious honor. 
that uh, many people are talking about across the game of baseball. Um, so congratulations. Um, I, as you can see, the the uh, the discussions about who's earned them, uh, we take it very seriously, and we'll we'll debate it down to the last word because it matters and people care about it. So. <laughs> just kidding no one has ever taken a thing i said seriously oh, people uh, take we've we've had comments on like when when originally we made the mistake i allowed you to to talk me and jordan came in as an arbitrator and i think he made a bad decision i probably uh, had covid at that point so i really did have COVID at that point <laughs> but when yelly originally wasn't awarded one for a grand slam a mistake we later rectified you know we, we heard from people so people pay attention you love to see it. Um, wanted to check in a little bit on some of the the season-long stats for the team. So right now, uh, Rowdy Tellez is leading in, in OPS and RBI, 837 OPS, 307 on-base percentage, 530 slug. So despite kind of his slump, he's, he's still got his numbers. Uh, honestly, around what I would have expected from Rowdy coming in, even if not a little better, he's having a – a really solid season overall. Yelly uh, had a tough series. His OPS is down to uh, 807, 252 batting average, 352 OBP, 455 slug. Um, so th- these are kind of the guys leading the charge. Luis Arias in 11 games played, 275, average 388 OBP, 450 slug for an 838 OPS. So I guess that technically leads the team, but 11 games played, 40 at bats. So not quite the same thing as what Rowdy's doing. Uh haven't seen guys and their and their numbers normalize a little bit. And uh, it, one thing that I will say is that it will be very nice to get Andrew McCutcheon back in the lineup. He's had kind of a hot and cold season, but having just another professional hitter, quote unquote, in the lineup lengthens the lineup a little bit and, and gives you more options um, down, up and down the lineup. Shall we? Uh, shall we look ahead? Adam, uh, yeah, excuse look. me, I'm burping live on the podcast. This is what happens when I drink coffee as we're <laughs> discussing things live. I'm 30. I'm old. I have the heartburn. It's just, it's not a good situation. Uh, but we, we've got another. Um, I've never heard heartburn as the heartburn. That's like, a, you know, have the gout sort of, you know. You're, did you're, I say the heartburn? That sounds like something I did. I would do. I think it's very um, southern, you know. It's... I am what I am. Um, we've got another series of emotional trauma for me on deck. Uh, coming fast and furious. Game one. Back home in Milwaukee, 6.40 Central Time. The Atlanta Braves come to town. Freddie Peralta versus Ian Anderson. Game two, 6.40 Central Five or Central Time. <laughs> uh, tomorrow on Tuesday, May 17th, Adrian Hauser takes on question mark according to ESPN. Are you letting me down, ESPN? I don't know. You might be. And then Wednesday, a businessman special, uh, 12.10 Central Time, Corbin Burns versus Max Freed. Uh, a rematch of a game that we watched on playback as a group uh, last weekend, I believe. Um, May 7th is, was the date, and that should be another great matchup. And after that, the Brewers will host the Washington Nationals for three games Friday through Sunday with a day off on Thursday. So uh, a heavy dose of the National League East coming up, something I'm very familiar with. Yeah, let's hope it's less painful than the last time. Beating a team, like one of the things we talked about after losing to the Braves is concerns about you face a team with good pitching and you lose the series. Beating the Marlins was encouraging on that front because although the Marlins are not the greatest team, they, they have some good pitchers and they got some good pitching performances in the series. So 
that was reassuring. Hopefully they can carry that into the Brave series, the National series, and just being back home generally after a three series road trip. Hopefully it brings some home comforts and we start seeing some of those homers uh, at Amfam again. Yeah, uh, I, I would very much like to see that. Standings check in, Adam, as we do, like we said, uh, not concerned with the St. Louis Cardinals, who the Brewers have a two and a half game lead over. Milwaukee's 22 and 13, and that would put them tied with the San Diego Padres for the third best record in the National League. So something to monitor. Uh, right now, the, the New York Mets and the Los Angeles Dodgers are ahead of them. But we've oh, got they're, they're actually a long tied with the Dodgers. Tied with oh, the they Dodgers. are, yeah. Uh, so, Dodgers have a slightly higher win percentage, but that doesn't right. matter until we get down to the uh, the end of the season and everyone's played the full 162. So just a half game um, back of the National League lead, though, which that's like for as much as we have not enjoyed this road trip and the Brewers' inconsistencies. Like you look at the last ten games, even Mets and Dodgers five and five each, Brewers five and five. You know, were those two teams losing series to the Cincinnati Reds? No, they were not. But ultimately the damage is limited from this. If you can kind of get back into gear and hopefully what we saw in the Marlins series, predicting game three is the team starting to trend upwards again, heading back home and having some, some tougher series, although not all, I mean, the nationals are not very good. So that's. And despite being a defending world series champion, the Braves have really not played well this season. And Ronald Acuna <laughs> Jr. is back on IL, right, too. That's going to be a pretty big difference unless he's miraculously healthy again for the Brewers, which I'll start to get really irritated. Uh, yeah, yeah. That I I don't think he, like, really hates me if that's the thing. So day-to-day with a groin injury, uh, MLB.com report said Braves get best possible news from Acuna's MRI. Don't know what that means, but he went from – Friday when he had his off day, the manager saying, oh, he'll definitely play on Saturday to getting an MRI. So that's never a good sign. Um, there was a – I saw some drama on Brave's Twitter about people arguing uh, the merits of this team as a regular season team because last year, as you know, they won a division that was terrible because it was terrible. They wouldn't have made the playoffs if they were in any other division, and then they got hot in one World Series. So some Braves fans are correctly pointing that out, and others are yelling at them for being negative, and I'm just sitting back with my bowl of popcorn um, watching. That Glad I don't have to be a part of that anymore. Not because of the play on the field, more just because uh, the Tomahawk shop is trash and racist, and I hate it. But anyway, um, Brewers-Braves uh, this week, Brewers-Nationals over the weekend. Uh, like we said, sadly, the, the Bucks are done, but it's, it's baseball season now. It's May. We're halfway through May. We've got hopefully five more full months of, of baseball to to tide us over until uh, the Bucks are back in your lives. So join us on this journey and uh, listen to the debates about brew points, the uh, discussions about quirks and things that happen that Adam has to see for the first time and wonder why is this a thing? This is stupid or learn about stats like FIP. It's a big fun journey. We've had fun doing it to this point and uh, I'm excited to carry us on through the rest of the season it's it's always a fun time if you aren't already subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts cruising for a bruising you can also support us you could support all the yourself podcast network by going checking out our merch store gspnstore.com there's t-shirts sweatshirts andrew's sporting a cruising for a bruising sweatshirt right now um mugs pint glasses all sorts of stuff up there for cruising for bruising winning six euro step on the euro step podcast network in general 
go subscribe to our Substack, gspn.substack.com. That's where you'll get the write-ups that accompany these pods and have some more detail on our choices for master brew points, as well as some other thoughts and articles as they come. There's book stuff will go there too. It all goes directly to your inbox. And we're on Twitter at Brewers GSPN. I'm at Adam McGee 11, Andrew's at AC Snide. And if you're not a member of our GSPN Discord, the best place to go for your Brewers chat, your books chat, and also to get exclusive access to our watch-alongs, our playbacks at the moment. Make sure you get into the Discord. How do you do that? Two ways. You can go rate and review five stars, add your review on Apple Podcasts, send a screenshot to us on Twitter. We'll send you an invite. Or if you listen via another podcast platform that does not allow that functionality, rate five stars. You can go to um, the link tree that's in my bio on Twitter. And there is a Discord entry form in there. You can fill in the details. We will then reach out to you with an invite. Um, we'll have another playback very, very soon. They will generally ramp up and there'll be probably more even of the rest of the GSPN crew on with us. So we'll be watching a lot of Brewers games throughout the se- season, watching a lot of Brewers games with our, our great listeners. And it's been immensely fun doing so, so far. So if that sounds like something you're into join the discord and we'll have plenty of that hopefully we'll be able to make those rooms public soon as well and you'll see some more of it across our social media but for the meantime get into the gspn discord and you'll never miss out on the brewers playback i'll never walk alone well until the next time thanks again to all of you for listening thank you andrew thanks adam